0: This is Mountaintop History, a podcast produced by the Thomas Jefferson Foundation at Monticello. Mountaintop History brings forward meaningful stories from this historic home and plantation, from the past and from the present. My name is Kyle Chattelton. And I'm Olivia Brown. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll learn something new. Historically, Many West African societies were founded on matriarchal traditions, which wove a deep-seated respect for women through the fabric of society itself. In her 72 years of life, and in her role as a matriarch, Elizabeth Hemings built a family network that included five generations and over 80 people. A family network full of skilled blacksmiths gardeners and seamstresses, parents, siblings, and children, readers, writers, and freedom fighters. She was the matriarch of what has become one of the most well-known and well-documented enslaved families in the United States, the Hemmingses of Monticello. Though most people are probably more likely to recognize the name of her daughter, Sally Hemmings, Elizabeth Hemings was a powerful leader of an extensive family that was ingrained in all parts of life at Thomas Jefferson's plantation home. The lives of the Jefferson and Hemings families are forever tied through bondage and kinship. Born to an English sea captain with the last name Hemings and an enslaved African woman around 1735, Elizabeth Hemings took her father's last name but inherited her mother's enslaved status. Most of the details around Hemings's mother's life are lost to the historical record. Madison Hemings, a descendant, described his great grandmother as a quote full-blooded African woman end quote. Elizabeth Hemings's mother may have been named Parthenia, as indicated by the records of her enslaver Francis Epps. After Epps died. His property passed to his daughter's husband, including some of the people he enslaved. Francis Epps's daughter Martha married John Wales in 1746, and official ownership of Elizabeth Hemings transferred to Wales. Though the details of her early life are murky and hard to determine through the historical record, her life was constantly intertwined with those of her white enslavers. And relatives, Madison Hemings's account describes the possibility that Captain Hemings tried to purchase both child and mother to keep his family together. But any attempt that may have been made was clearly unsuccessful. As an enslaved child living on the Epps plantation, it's possible that a young Elizabeth Hemings was a play companion to some of the younger Epps children before becoming a servant in the Epps home. When ownership of Elizabeth Hemings transferred to John Wales, she was only 11 years old. At which point, she moved from the Epps plantation across the James River to Wales's plantation called the Forest. While living at the Forest as a young woman, it is possible that Elizabeth Hemings cared for John Wales' daughter, Martha, as a nursemaid. Martha Wales later married Thomas Jefferson and continued to keep Elizabeth Hemings close by. Hemmings, among other enslaved women, sat at Martha Wales Jefferson's bedside as she died in 1782, their lives having been intertwined for many years. The ties between the Hemmings and Wales families became further complicated over time. Beginning in 1762, John Wales fathered children with Elizabeth Hemmings and took her as a concubine a term that was used later by her grandson. This changed Elizabeth Hemings's life and forever altered the lives of her children and future family as well. Mother to 12 children total, Elizabeth Hemings gave birth for the first time at 18 years old to a daughter named Mary. An unnamed black man whose identity we don't know, fathered Mary, as well as three more of Elizabeth's children, Martin, Betty, and Nance, or Nancy. After these first four children, Hemings had another six who were likely fathered by John Wales, the man who owned her. The paternity of these six children, Robert, James, Thenia, Critta, Peter, and Sally, was never recognized formally in the records of Wales, Or his immediate family, but other historical records and evidence support that he was their father. When John Wales died in 1773, ownership over Elizabeth Hemings and her 10 children transferred to his daughter Martha. After the Jeffersons' marriage, Hemings and her children left the forest and moved to Monticello, where she had a son named John with Jefferson's chief carpenter, Joseph Nielsen. A final child, a daughter named Lucy, who unfortunately did not live through infancy, may have also been fathered by Nielsen. When Martha Wales died in 1782, all of her property, including the enslaved people she owned through the inheritance from her father, became the property of her husband, Thomas Jefferson. But of course, Elizabeth Hummings' life amounts to more than just the recorded births of her 12 children. Through Jefferson's records and archaeological research, we can learn more about Heming's. Between 1790 and 1794, she lived out at Tufton Farm, further from Monticello, but still part of Jefferson's land. Historians and archaeologists believe she was possibly brought back to Monticello in 1795 to be closer to her daughter, Sally Heming's who gave birth to her first child with Thomas Jefferson that same year. From 1795 until her death in 1807, she lived in a cabin of her own on the mountaintop at Monticello. Located along the southern slope of Monticello Mountain, only about 30 feet from the third roundabout road that led to Jefferson's home at the top. Elizabeth Hemings's house was likely a small wooden cabin with a brick hearth constructed by other members of the enslaved community. At her home, she raised poultry and collected eggs that she sold to the Jefferson family at various times, as recorded by Jefferson's granddaughter, Anne Carrie Randall. It's also possible that she cared for younger enslaved children who were not yet old enough to work, including her own grandchildren. Additionally, when unearthing the site of Elizabeth Hemings' home, archaeologists found ceramic pieces, upholstery tacks, a woman's shoe buckle, and even a slate pencil. The ceramics were made of fine materials, including Chinese porcelain. There were ways in which enslaved people at Monticello could earn small sums of money to buy their own possessions but the high quality of the remnants discovered at the site of Hemings' home would have set their family apart from many others. When Jefferson moved to Washington, D.C. to serve as the country's president, he listed a number of enslaved people who were to be leased to John Craven, a man who rented some of Jefferson's property while he was away. Elizabeth Hemings, rather than being leased, was on the list of those to be retained. At the Moncello Plantation. This is where she died in 1807. Madison Hemmings recounted his grandmother's death in his memoir, further showing her strong connection with her family. He said, quote, My very earliest recollections are of my grandmother, Elizabeth Hemmings. That was when I was about three years old. She was sick, and upon her deathbed, I was eating a piece of bread and asked her if she would have some. She replied, no, granny don't want bread anymore. She shortly afterwards breathed her last. When Elizabeth Hemmings died, she had eight living children, over 30 grandchildren, and at least four great-grandchildren. She sat atop a family tree that would continue far beyond her death. Three of her children, Robert, James, and Mary Hemings, had already been freed, and she may have known that there would be paths to freedom for others in her family as well. Though her life was lived in bondage, she brought up her family in a way that empowered them to fight for equality and freedom in their own lives. Descendants of Elizabeth Hemings went on to be conductors on the Underground Railroad, officers in the United States Army during the Civil War and prominent voices in the fight for political, civil and human rights of African Americans in the United States. Her legacy has lived on for generations. This has been another episode of Mountaintop History, a collaboration podcast between WTJU and the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. Join us for new episodes every two weeks on Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and the Virginia Audio Collective. To learn more about Monticello or to plan your next trip, visit us online at monticello.org.